CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24/7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. Fresh, new uncreased episode of the coast to coast podcast here on inside carolina.com i'm your host joey powell we are brought to you by johnny t-shirt all right fellas get this show rolling sean moran is here sherelle mcmillan is here these dudes are going to bring the analysis that you crave but guys i think one of the things that we wrestled with so much as a staff at ic and really anybody who covered the team nobody could seem to find the answers as to why this season was what it was so being charitable and cautious and a man of ingenuity that understands progress when he sees it yours truly decided I'm going to find the answers. So I went to chat GPT and I asked the question about North Carolina. And for those of you unfamiliar with chat GPT, it's an open source AI um, platform now that uses artificial intelligence all around the world to answer questions. So, but are you ready to learn what I learned from chat GPT's open source AI platform? I'm Go pretty curious. All right. The question I ask, why did UNC basketball lose so many games this season? And ChatGPT gave me, and I quote, as an AI language model, I don't have access to up-to-date information on the current season. However, in general, a basketball team may lose games due to a variety of factors such as injuries, lack of team chemistry, tough competition, or coaching decisions. <laughs> Each game is a complex interaction of many factors, and sometimes even a small difference in one of these factors can determine the outcome of the game. It's important to note that even the best teams can have a rough season, and losing games is a natural part of the game. There we go. I mean, basically, ChatGPT is coming for our jobs. Uh, <laughs> and, and honestly, even without, as it said, the most up-to-date stats on the current season, pretty much gave the, the best answer that I've seen anybody uh try to surmise <laughs> about this current iteration of the Tar Heels so all that to say I hope you guys uh can appreciate what open source AI has told us about this season and now let's get on to what we know about the silly season aka the offseason since the Tar Heels put 2022 and 2023 to bed about a week ago tonight and shout out to everybody who showed up for that uh that live YouTube. We typically don't do these live, but shout out to everybody who, who watched that and then viewed the, the YouTube and listened to it later. I was like well over, I don't know, 10,000 people or something like that. So 
love y'all. Thank you for being a part of this. Um, let's get up to what we know right now. Cheryl, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I want you to reset what we know so far because you've done a phenomenal job, you and Ben Sherman both, of of kind of giving folks what little information there is almost on a daily basis around the North Carolina basketball program, not only about who's leaving, but who's coming. So if you want, take a second, reset everybody as we sit here on March the 19th and let everybody know kind of what we're dealing with. Well, unfortunately, there's a chance that by the time folks hear this, it, we're out of date. Because um, I think <laughs> uh, spring break was what last week for UNC students and everybody's back on campus or, or should be back on campus now. And so the meetings that didn't happen last week or, or folks who wanted more than one meeting, they'll start having those probably. It, it could be Sunday night. It could be today. Uh, you know, in, in, in the next few days, those meetings will, will uh, complete themselves. As far as what we know, so obviously Leaky Black and Pete Nance are uh, done. They've exhausted their eligibility. Uh, Tyler Nickel entered the transfer portal on Monday, uh, as did Justin McCoy. So those are, uh, and sorry, and Dontre Styles as well. So those five uh, are uh, the ones who won't be back in Carolina. Two of them we knew, and then three of them uh, entered the portal this past week. Uh, so you couple that with UNC having two freshmen coming in, and right now, um, if everyone else were to stay, they would have three scholarships available for the portal. Um, there could be more attrition. There could not be more attrition. I think we're all kind of waiting to see what happens next. Uh, for those who are premium members, we've kind of tried to detail pretty much every night except for Saturday and Thursday, kind of a daily update on where we think things stand. Uh, and I think as I said before, it'll start to pick up here in the next couple of days. All right. That's a pretty solid reset. And, and Cheryl, again, I'm, I know folks don't like it when I, I give you guys praise and, and tell you you do good work. But I think most folks on IC will agree that you guys have really been after it the last little bit and getting what water out of a rock that you can with your sources around the program and understanding what's going on. So really quickly, and I don't want to talk about old news, but I do think it's worth mentioning from from you guys and uh, I guess in an analytic standpoint, what is UNC losing in these players that have transferred? So we'll start first with Justin McCoy, uh, transferred to North Carolina from Virginia, was on the team for two seasons, and then uh, is going to to leave to go somewhere for his grad season. Sean, I, I think a lot of folks, I don't know if it was just because he was coming from Virginia and was a local kid, a lot of folks had some expectations about what Justin McCoy was going to be able to do on the floor that he never really, at least in the time that he got it, never really seemed to click for him. What do you uh, attribute that to? I think it's a good question. Going back to when he, when he did transfer, uh, it was the first, first transfer for, for Hubert Davis. And I definitely thought that he was going to be able to come in as a junior and contribute off the bench. Um, you know, probably 10, 10, 15 minutes a game. I thought he had been improving his sophomore year at UVA, uh, he'd been been getting some minutes that uh, almost were steadily increasing during ACC play. And some of the games that I watched of UVA, I liked what he was doing doing in those. So I, I thought he was going to come in and and be able to. Definitely didn't ex imagine him being a you know all ACC or starter type player, but I definitely did think he would he would, he would be able to help off the bench. He got time early early on his junior year, and uh, you know there there was almost a logjam with Brady Dawson. Uh, Armando that he was competing with and obviously that got whittled down and we've seen how Hubert played rotations um, but it but always looked like uh, he, he was maybe his his brain and his body weren't always in the same same mm. space um, 
And I'm I'm really going to be curious where he ends up and if it is more of a mid-major or, or low-major, how he does, because uh, he does have some size, length. We saw it towards the end of games when he did get in. He wasn't afraid to to, to launch some some threes, but unfortunately in the games at UVA where his minutes were needed, he wasn't able to uh, kind of step it, step up for those. Granted, you go back last year in Baylor, he, he was at least able to to give some serviceable minutes. So, you know, I, I was surprised that it didn't materialize earlier, but I think once once we saw last year, there weren't, weren't a lot of expectations coming into the season. Um, and, and from my interactions with him, he was always a very positive, great kid. Uh, Sherell, am I stretching it saying that his uh, the most athletic play we saw from him was the last one he got against Boston College in the ACC tournament? Uh, I have to think about that one, but I don't I don't think it's far fetched at all. Um, it's funny just because when he first arrived, like he he kind of took a leadership role from what, everything that we heard. Uh, yeah. Was very strong in the locker room. And man, heading into Hubert Davis's, you know, first exhibition games and, and first practices, there was a ton of buzz about Justin McCoy potentially not only playing a lot of minutes, but starting um, either at the three or the four. And I guess just whatever he was doing in practice didn't carry over to games or, uh, as, as Sean said, having Garcia and Manic there ahead of him, uh, eventually their, their talent kind of won out. But I was surprised that we never got like the Justin McCoy game. I thought there'd be one of those because he was always struck. He always struck me as a as a player who would out of nowhere go for, you know, 15 and nine in an important game. And, uh, you know, some of it's probably opportunity, but it just it didn't materialize. And the good thing is he he has the COVID year so he can go somewhere else and, and try to get some more playing time. And I think uh, the coaching staff and, and McCoy had a, a, a good conversation understanding what his role was going to be. And, and that's why he chose to go elsewhere. Yeah. And, and again, I want to preface all of our conversations here that I, and I, I think I speak for you guys, we have always been of the mindset that like, whatever is best for these kids, man, go do it, you know, get it how you live. You go do what's best for your career because we only get once one try at this life thing. And these guys, you know, their, their window to, to really shine or kind of make their impact in the basketball world is, is even more truncated. Um, next guy will come to Tyler nickel. I, I think this is the one that a lot of folks kind of gasped a little bit about, I, I do think, and Cheryl, we talked about this before we started, but uh, it, it's been weird to see everybody kind of with all the message board posts and kind of the chatter on social media and everywhere about folks really wanting to see a turnover in the locker room. And now instantly, as soon as the transfer portal opens, as is now customary in college basketball, you know, UNC has some defections. And uh, I think folks just started hand-wringing all of a sudden. And just, uh, it, it's a different world now, people. This is the landscape of college basketball. You can dislike the portal all you want, but it's here to stay. And, and it may be altered in the future, but you need to get used to until there is a a transfer penalty instilled or something like that. You need to get used to this and complaining about it does nothing. Uh, so I think the first one, I think that a lot of folks kind of got in their feels about uh, was Tyler Nickel. And we were really adamant on here about just his confidence as North Carolina is recruiting him, his ability just to score. And it was really weird to see a guy who has the Virginia scoring record about all, you know, all intents and purposes and every story we've ever heard. And even when you guys saw him, was just a pure bucket. Sean, what do you see as may, you know, as as Nickel leaves the program, a team that couldn't shoot last year, and now the guy who is known for shooting 
didn't play and is on his way out the door. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you just mentioned it having to do what's what's best for for the player. And, you know, I, I think anybody that was on the bench, <laughs> they've seen now two years of, of how Hubert uses that bench. So I think it, it, no matter how much you improve, I think it could be a question mark of what's in store. I think uh, out, of, out of the transfers so far have been probably most disappointed in Nichols leaving because I, I do, you know, I think it would have been fun watching him, him grow. Uh, he came in as a pretty a low four star. So there were, we talked about all the time last summer and leading up to, to this year, we didn't have a lot of expectations for him this year, uh, especially some of the agility slash defensive limitations we thought, but uh, you know, he shot six of 27. So 22% from, from three in the game. So it wasn't like he was knocking them down, but it, but it is super hard, super tough when you you know you might get one shot at most, uh, and and that's a lot of pressure on that one shot in each game versus you know hey I'm gonna get three or four or be able to play through some mistakes. I think we saw, you know, some great moments. Ohio State the block the block that he had, uh, you know, played very well against Syracuse, and to me it was he was one of the highest IQ basketball players on this team in terms of mm-hmm. offensively. It, the ball was never sticking in his hands, which I think was one of the huge issues throughout the year. Um, it was either going up, which which we needed because there was a lot of three-point shooting, or he was attacking or, or kicking it. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see, does he stay ACC level um, high major, or does he go to a local school like JMU or, or somewhere else where he can you know, get a ton of shots? But I think he's a guy that would have been fun to see grow, but at the same time, but I don't think a whole lot would have changed next year. Maybe a few more situational moments uh, and wish we had seen them a little bit more this year. Cause I think that three point shooting, I don't think the percentage reflects what he could have done. Yeah. I love that you shared that because he's absolutely the type of player that I think North Carolina fans are used to seeing mature within the program. And then by the time his career is over, he's, he's absolutely lighting things up. And, and I still say whoever gets him and gets his services, regardless of what level they're on, if he plays, He's going to be a problem. Cheryl, anything, any color you want to add to to Nichols' transfer and decision to to, to leave the program? I, yeah, I, I don't think it was a dislike for North Carolina or or anything like that. Pretty much everyone who who comes to UNC, outside of a few, genuinely do fall in love with the place. I think this was really one hundred percent about playing time, mm-hmm. and I think he wanted to be on the court, and maybe. Um, he thought he was going to be on the court more or was told he was going to be on the court more and it didn't materialize. And so he said, I, I need to, I want to go play. Cause I mean, he is one of those guys who is a super serious basketball player. That's like, you know, they, they talk about Kevin Durant, how like the only thing he loves to do is play basketball. I'm not going to say that much for Tyler Nichol that the only thing he loves, but I, I don't think there's anything he loves to do more than play basketball. Uh, so uh, that's a huge part of it. It's just, he wanted to be on the court and, so he'll have their opportunity. Like you said, uh, that's the good thing about the transfer portal is that if you aren't happy with your situation and you want to play more, then you can choose to do so uh, at least once without having to sit out. So he, he chose to exercise that right. And so notice folks who are freaking out and hand-wringing about what this looks like with, with people leaving North Carolina, there was no animosity. It was strictly about playing time. So keep that in mind. Um, and then the last one we'll talk about I think this is another one for different reasons why folks may have kind of had a furrowed brow about it. Dontrez Styles, after two years in a North Carolina uniform, hometown kid, we know the lineage from Kinston to Chapel Hill and 
and what sort of uh, path has been worn between those two towns. But Dontre Styles, is a guy who showed some promise last year in that run to the national championship. Again, he'll always be remembered by a lot of Tar Heel fans for the big three he hit to open overtime against Baylor when North Carolina was absolutely on the ropes. Uh, had all the athleticism in the world and just never really got to see the floor uh, this season, especially if you consider you know, what playing time he got last year. He saw less this year for the Tar Heels. Sean, you want to give some uh, some insight there? Yeah, and after last season, we were chatting, you know, when I was t- looking at the transfer portal for that 4-5, four, 4-3. Four, um, is, it, is it somebody coming in, or is it Puff and, and Styles mm-hmm. filling that that role? And what we saw in the both the Marquette and Baylor game, I thought there was there was that opportunity for him to um, take a freshman to, to sophomore year jump. And it's kind of crazy looking at the stats and seeing that he only took, I think it was 19 shots on the whole season this year. Cause I, um, you know, it felt like when he was coming in, it was, it was frustrating seeing really a lot of long twos or, or some threes, which we know isn't his strong suit. Uh, and, and I think right now in, in basketball tweener is now you kind of always want these tweeners, but I think he was still a tweener that couldn't, you know, he was kind of, I still think he was best suited for, for that four role. Um, and a guy that, is diving to the basket in the pick and rolls, a guy that's moving off ball, uh, crashing the boards, getting out in transition uh, because the, the three point and the jump shot was, was not there. And that's what he still tried to do uh, this season. So once again, another player, I think that normally we could have seen develop where junior senior year he is, he is uh, contributing, but at the same time there, there's just too many non-shooters on this team uh, this past year. And, and, Kind of bringing him off the bench wasn't uh you, you weren't bringing in a potential shooter to try to solve any of the issues so once again not not a surprise that that this came about i'm going to be curious if it is bandy um you know hopefully it's not somebody in the acc and <laughs> and then he's the one going for 20 and 10 but once again you, you go back to that baylor game the, the three-point shot he hit a huge shot i mean could you imagine if right now we last year the the season had ended uh, with with that a loss to Baylor, and we were going through this season. It, it would be uh, even more challenging than it is. So he stepped up when it was needed. I think a lot of there's a lot of hype um, from people that had seen him in practices uh, his freshman year that what he was going to do, and maybe he's going to the league after after two years, which I, I think we always thought was far fetched. But um, once again, just the role didn't fit who he was and and hopefully he can find that uh, going forward because he is really athletic. He's strong. And I think he can, if, if the role is right, I think he can uh, produce for a team. Sherelle, similar to, you know, um, just McCoy's last appearance for the Tar Heels, uh, Dontre Styles hit a three from the top of the key in his, um, in what might've been his last minutes for, for UNC. I can't remember if that was in the UVA game or the, the Boston college game, but again, just stepped up and stroked one. Um, so I'll ask you the same thing, Shrill. Is there anything you'd like to add to that or any sort of context you can give to to his departure from Chapel Hill? Yeah, kind of the same situation. Uh, was told it was a business decision and that he wanted to play and that through two years, he'd kind of seen that he probably wasn't going to play much at UNC, that he loved UNC. He's one of those dream school kids that Carolina is always where he wanted to be. Um, so I think when you talk about the reaction to it, that's definitely part of it because he's an in-state kid. Um and then I think if you look at him and Nickel together, each of them 
were purported to provide something that UNC severely lacked this season. Yeah. So yeah. Nickel was three point shooting, which you know that he's shown throughout high school and AU that he could do it. And then Styles was just the athleticism and and kind of that rebounding that uh, that athlete that North Carolina just hasn't had in, in recent years. And so from the fan base, I guess they're looking at well, if you're struggling in these two areas and these two guys you say are good at these two things, why aren't they playing? And so I think that's where the 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 struggle comes in and why folks don't really understand it and why they've kind of reacted the way they have um, with, with those two guys. I think it's a very similar situation. I think those are valid questions. You know, if you're looking at the the traits those guys are, are touted for uh, and then what North Carolina lacked, you're exactly right. And I think those are valid complaints and valid criticisms and, and definitely something that the coaching staff, you know, will probably have to answer for very early in the season next year. Um, I think something that's important to remember uh, that is not going to leave the North Carolina program, and that's Johnny T-Shirt. Uh, Johnny T-Shirt has been on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill through all sorts of coaching change, through ups and downs, good seasons, bad seasons. Um, and even when the, the transfer penalty was lifted, Johnny T-Shirt's still there. They're still there for you, our listener, our viewer, the IC subscriber. And they're still giving you that beautiful 10% premium discount off top of their amazing prices and their great selection. I think that it's really important to consider uh, Johnny T-Shirt's uh, contributions to Inside Carolina uh, and how much of a stalwart they have been in our locker room and how much they can be relied upon. That even when maybe they don't get the playing time that they want, Johnny T-Shirt still shows up. So big ups to Johnny T-Shirt. Be sure you visit them on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill or hit them up online, johnnytshirt.com. Take a quick break. Let some uh, some other companies run their advertisements here. Nobody's sure who's going who's gonna to show up, but we appreciate them nonetheless. They're going to run some ads. We'll be right back. Talk a little more Transfer Portal Talk here on the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, thank you all for being here. Appreciate you sticking around, checking us out, whether you're watching on YouTube, hello, or listening to us on whatever form you get your podcast from. We're glad that you're part of the show and part of our little Coast to Coast family. Uh, As always, with me tonight, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, talking a little Tar Heel transfer portal, both in and out. We've talked about the guys that are going out. Now let's talk about how North Carolina is going to fill those gaps. Sherelle said earlier, you know, three scholarships as things sit right now. That could always change. By the time this podcast hits your feed, things could be different. We don't know, but we're giving it to you as we sit right now. There are uh, there are those number of scholarships, 
And we can also report that uh, North Carolina has made contact and has scheduled an in-home with Nick Timberlake. Uh, not sure if he is any relation to that guy who's just sing for NSYNC, um, but he is definitely a shooter. Uh, and, and I'm sure North Carolina has cried many a river about their inability to uh, hit jump shots this past season. He's a guard from Towson up in Maryland, 6'4", 205, originally from Braintree, Massachusetts. Guys, he's a 38% career three-point shooter, including almost 42% this past season. Uh, he averaged 17.7 points per game. Sean, what can you tell me about Nick Timberlake? I mean, I think you you just uh, you just did it. We're we're good with with that description. Um, but you know, here here's a guy. He's going to be 25 uh, when the when the season begins. So he did a a year of prep school coming out of Massachusetts. I think coming out of high school, he didn't even he didn't have any Division one or Division two offers. Uh, he played pretty well at prep school. Ended up at Towson. Uh, so started in 2018-19 season where he got eight or nine games, red shirt, and then went through COVID, et cetera. Um, didn't really shoot the ball that that well early on, but past two seasons, his junior and senior year, he's been above 40%, uh, hit close to 90, 93s on the season uh, and was was really efficient, earning all CAA honors and and putting up some pretty good, good offensive numbers on a team that uh, gave Charleston – a challenge in the the semifinals of uh, the CA tournament, but uh, you know, six four. What's he going to do? He's he's a, he's a shooter, catch and shoot. Ninety three percent of his his three point shots were assisted, so he's not uh, he's not going to catch the ball, and and you're not going to see the step backs or or off the off the bounce threes that I think we saw a lot of the time this year. So he does he is a catch and shoot guy. Uh, really good coming coming off pin downs and, and curling. Uh, quick release, pretty explosive off of two feet vertically, uh, whether that's uh, on threes or or he is explosive at the rim, but but still not a great a great finisher. So in terms of how he gets his buckets, three pointers, and he, he's pretty good one one two dribble pull ups as well in terms of uh, doing something something quick. But you're not going to see a guy go in isolation, uh, breaking breaking players down. Um, you know, at the, at, as we mentioned at the rim in transition, he, he's pretty explosive, but in terms of a crowd, he can, he can struggle, uh, with that. He played three games against, against Charleston this year, uh, obviously a, a 12 seed and had, I'd say a, a little bit of a mixed, uh, mixed bag, two games with, with under a 100 offensive rating. But the one he did was he had 34 points at six of 11 threes against them. Um, also played against Clemson. Earlier in the year, a game Towson was in the lead for for the most part. Uh, he had 130 offensive rating there, and well, it was only two of seven from three, but six of 11 for two. And and then last year he had a game against Wake Forest where he was he was average. Um, so you're going to get you know an, an older, a veteran guy that you know ha- has has a little bit of cockiness to him, um, and and isn't afraid to afraid to uh, you know show. Oh, show that on on the court, but a three point shooter and a guy that can you know hit from from one or two, one or two dribbles as well. Shout out to everybody who just heard Sean talk about a guy that can stroke it from three regularly and immediately turned up their their volume. Um, Shirley, anything you want to add to that as far as context or what you might know about how this uh, I guess transfer recruitment looks? Oh uh, yeah, still early. Uh, we haven't been able to talk with him, but I I want to kind of talk about 
taking one move that the Carolina staff makes and trying to make it apply to the plan. So <laughs> follow me here. I'm going to, I'm going to take you down a path. Crimson Tide, 1995 was one of my favorite movies is Denzel Washington is Gene Hackman, just master thespians going at it on a submarine. And the whole deal is they get a, an emergency action message that they think says fire a nuclear weapon, but it's incomplete. And so Denzel Washington is like, we don't know what this means. We, we can't, we can't judge the whole message because we only have a part of it. And Gene Hackman's like, no, fire, let's kill them all. And so, which is this, the most Gene Hackman role ever, but it go is, ahead. Yes. It is. So there's this back and forth. And I think that's what we're seeing kind of the reaction to UNC going, you know, go, uh, going in home with Timberlake this week. Shouts to Elena, the biggest Timberlake fan of all time. Um, and it's like, you can't judge exactly this individual piece because we don't know the full plan yet. In isolation, what was North Carolina awful at last year, historically bad at last year? Perimeter shooting. And Sean said that that's his biggest strength. So just take it for that. Take it as North Carolina was bad at shooting last year. They're trying to get better at shooting next season. It doesn't mean that this player is leaving or that they're recruiting him to be this role or that he's going to play 39 minutes a game. It or means, that they view him as the best player available and none of that. It, yeah, yeah. It just means that right now there's a good shooter in the portal and they're talking to him. Outside of that, we don't have any additional information. So don't try to judge the plan based upon this one piece of it would be my advice. Um, all that said, yeah, I mean, Sean, Sean put it out there. He's a good shooter. North Carolina didn't shoot well last year, so they're trying to get better at shooting. So let's take that a little bit further. I, I, what can you share with us about what you're able to tell about what North Carolina's plan may be? I think one of the most obvious quotes that stuck out from folks about what Hubert Davis has said, other than calling you know the portal speed dating, which I think is an appropriate uh, explanation. Uh, Coach Davis said something to the extent of he's not going to really uh, know what their portal shopping looks like until they understand their needs. Um, I'm probably butchering that quote a little bit, but that was the gist of it, correct? All yeah, right, so, correct. Okay, so, so Shrill, what can you glean this early in the process that North Carolina's plan may be? Because again, there's still teams playing, uh, you know, there's still going to be 16 teams playing after this finishes tonight. Uh, and so there's a lot of stuff that that really isn't isn't even up to full speed yet. So give us the haps there, bro. Uh, I think the biggest thing right now is that they want to get better. And to your point, they have to know who is staying, who's leaving, who's doing what. And even if it's not announced publicly by individual players or, or what have you, I think they'll have a good idea probably by the end of this week, I, I would anticipate about who's doing what and it can be a little more aggressive because right now um you know there's not a, a ton in the portal because there was to your point a whole bunch of people still playing this weekend i think by friday is when you'll see you know a jump from i think there's a thousand it'll probably jump another thousand i would imagine <laughs> in the next three or four days just because the tournament's over things are starting to settle um and, and guys can start figuring out uh where they want to go and um it's still North Carolina, and no people don't believe that, especially inside the inside Carolina bubble, because everything seems so rough right now, considering the season they had. But they're still going to attract top players. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, I, I would say people, you can contact the UNC staff without contacting the UNC staff to let them know that you're interested, if that makes sense. 
Um, you can like a, a, a post on Instagram or you can talk to your homeboy, but there are ways to kind of like, Hey, I'm interested. Um, and it, it goes on everywhere. And I think that's kind of where things stand now. And from what we can gather, there are definitely people, you know, of, of, of value who would help you and see, uh, who are interested. So they obviously had to replace Nance and Leaky um, in their starting five, considering that uh, Styles is gone and that Nickel is gone. It, it seems there's a huge glaring hole at the three that they have to get someone from the transfer transfer portal. It's so <laughs> you'll, hard to you'll say. You'll get it right by me. <laughs> for the transfer portal to start at three. So we know they're looking at a three. They would pr prefer someone um, who has an ability to, to shoot, who has an ability to drive, um, to get more offense out of that position. Um, they all obviously are looking for additional help uh, in the post. And if the, the Timberlake interest aside from him just being a shooter uh, is there, then you have to assume that they're okay. If the shooter maybe comes at a position that they might already have people at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so the plan seems to be um, multiple uh, guys from the transfer portal to come into UNC guys who are versatile guys who are athletic and guys who can shoot. That's what we can glean so far. And obviously, it's a moving target, right? Like, as as players become available, if somebody pops up on North Carolina's radar that they weren't obviously looking at that expresses interest, then things can change. So, yeah, this is absolutely a moment-in-time podcast as much as we wish it were otherwise. Um, Sean, I think some folks see a guy like Nick Timberlake, and they're like, yeah, okay, he's from the CAA, and, 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 and North Carolina's had a couple of uh, – transfers in the past from from that conference and conferences like that um and people may have you know baggage about that but having seen the first two rounds of this tournament and just understanding what transfers have done for college basketball in general um help me understand why that might be a bit of a, a misnomer and that that might be a little bit uh, a little bit of jumping the gun yeah well a, a few different thoughts one you know you can go through pretty much all the teams now and and you're looking at hey where do these guys come from and and you're seeing uh, you know maybe they, they've been at one two two different schools before getting to where they are net right now at the sweet 16 um and some of these guys are continuing to to move up you know xavier's in my mind as as one example right off the right off the top um and then the other before i kind of go more more macro but you know you look at you look at wake forest and appleby this year i don't think you know anybody this time last year, looking at his Florida stats, was going to imagine, you know, the jump that that he could make uh, at Wake Forest and and what he did, um, you know, really for you know, shout out to Wake Forest for what they've done the past past two years in the transfer portal and the improvements that those players have been made. So, I know we get caught looking at what did they do this past year, but so much is about fit and situation, and I think that 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 still is a big question mark as to how could they fit in with UNC who's coming back. Etc. Um, but in terms of the CA, obviously Justin Pierce, uh, William Mary played a few years ago, and I think athletically, we we knew that was going to be a huge huge step up, which which was a struggle. Um, but you know, there, there's a few other examples: Michigan State, Tyson Walker. Um, you know, UNC fans got to got to see him in person at Northeastern uh, early on before he decided to transfer, and he, even though. He was super small. Uh, I think CA Player of the Year or, or one of the top players, but you know he went from uh, averaging close to 19 points a game at Northeastern uh, to eight points per game his first year at Michigan State. Now year number two, he's up to 14 and a half. So took you know really the first year to get adjusted. Um, he was serviceable, but 
now really stepping into his own this year, led, led um, you know, led Michigan State to the Sweet 16. And then you have uh, Cam Winter, a guy who played at Drexel, Drexel, 6'2 guard, uh, similar accolades of all CAA two years in a row. Uh, he ended up at Penn State, and he went from 16 points per game to nine points per game, uh, once again, for a tournament team. But there has been that drop-off. Um, so, you know, for Timberlake, what what he was averaging and getting up six, eight, ten threes a game, that's, that's not going to happen, uh, most likely, at a Power 5 school. But I think you look at what does he do really well, and it is, you know, it is moving off the ball. It is quick release, utilizing screens. Um, so, once again, is it the dribble handoffs and look at ISO? That that's not going to do him well. But if you can work to get him get him looks, I think it'd be a definitely a bigger upgrade than Kerwin Walton, who um you know you needed to do a little bit more to to get looks. And I think he can move off the ball. He can he can you know once again struggle struggles a little bit in transition, but I think if you find him in the right role, um, he can he can do his thing at a power five school. Last thing to add, uh, Shrell put this in his his scoop. Uh, I think it was on the Thursday scoop, but uh, it might have got lost in terms of people trying to guess who that who that player who the player X was going to be that was going to be uh, potentially transferring transferring out. But talked to an assistant coach in the CAA that that did pretty well um, against against Timberlake this past this year as well last year and. He said, hey, he's, he's a really good player, can really catch and shoot with the best of them, uh, whether it's flying off staggers or in transition. And he's got a pretty good mid-range game as well, which we talked about, but not a great finisher around the basket. And if you can stay attached to him uh, through ball screens and off-ball screens, you can limit him. So, you know, that came from a coach that, that saw him up close and, and prepped for him. Uh, but once again, I think it goes into the situation that UNC could potentially put him in and, and who, who are they surrounding him with? Um, in, in terms of how how well he could potentially do next year. Yeah, and I, I wanted to add too, Sean. Um, I think folks also have to be careful in looking for in, in turning it into a, like a math contest and in putting into an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, who averages fifteen points? Who averages forty percent from three? Who averages fifty percent from two? And who shoots seventy five percent? you know, from the free throw line, filtering out everyone who's not there and say, okay, Carolina needs to pick one of these six guys. It doesn't really work that way. Um, I know there are, there are exceptions and, and, you know, there are rules. And I think, you know, Ricky council, the fourth could be an exception. I don't know, but uh, you know, Carolina fans are, you know, pining for someone like that, a, a athletic guy who can shoot, who can take over games and, and the big, bad sec Arkansas got him, And it's like, he started seven games at Wichita State last year. So, you know, it's not a situation where he was averaging 20 points a game and someone dropped a huge NIL bag to get this massive star to come to Arkansas. He was a guy at Arkansas who got better over the last year and became the guy in the SEC for a team who just beat a number one seed. So I think you have to be careful about looking only at stats. They should be a piece of the puzzle when it comes to trying to figure out how a particular player might fit at Carolina because – if you let's, I, I I need to go look at the roster. But if you go to Wichita State's roster and pick a guy who started seven games, you know the fan base and I think anyone who covers will be like, oh, they can't they can't take that kid. Like he started seven games at Wichita State. But you have to look deeper than that. You have to talk to people, and that's why I think Hubert Davis call it, calls it speed dating, is because you have to do all that within like a week or two to really be in the game. And and you know there are 
there there are certain uh, publications that are helping teams with with some of this information. Mm-hmm. I don't know if UNC is is using any of them, um, but just talking to the CA coach, you know, he said, "Hey, we're we're monitoring the portal. We've got a few sources that help us out, et cetera." But you know, in, in addition to Synergy, you know, Ricky Council, I think, is a a good example where you you look just at the numbers and not going to blow you away, but I'm sure Arkansas, you know, they're looking for athleticism, mm-hmm. uh, which, which he had, he, you know, free throw rate in terms of him getting, getting to the rim uh, shooting, wasn't jumping off the page, but uh, you know, especially in the SEC, you need that athleticism, athleticism and somebody that can, you know, create their own shot. And he's been able to, once again, that was a perfect fit uh, for him, but I think not to go on a, side you know side comment but you're seeing the sec do really well i think there's um multiple <laughs> reasons uh for their improvement in basketball but they have been identifying players that fit their style uh in the transfer portal arkansas alabama etc really well and i think that's some you know one of many things the acc needs to catch up on but i think that's one realistic thing that the acc and unc can do in terms of identifying potential players um and sorry, last thing, I think last year, UNC was almost pigeonholed in terms of what they could do in the transfer portal because they had, mm-hmm. hey, you're a 15, you just made the championship game, you got four guys coming back. So you're really only looking for that one position. So you were looking at either the four, three, four, five, and it was really two players that that they looked at. Um, you know, I think this year now it can be much more wide open. Um, and now you're, you're trying to, create a new identity, create a new new team that can fit around a few other pieces, but you're not pigeonholed because so many players are coming back from a team that went to the championship game. And last thing on that, Sean, people got to remember too, Kerwin Walton didn't enter, that he had told Carolina he was coming back, and then he the didn't enter hour. the portal until the very last day. Yeah. Um, so they didn't even know they were going to need anybody in the portal until that day. Yep. And that's why you know it kind of went from nothing to, to uh, Meyer and, and Pete Nance last year. Yeah, just reminded everybody who's listening. There's, there's different levels to this ish. Shout out to Meek Mill. I mean, it just it's stuff is, stuff is nuanced. This is not as cut and dry. Just like you know, this unfortunately, this podcast may be dated as soon as you hear it. But this this is a very fluid situation to steal one of Sherelle's words. You see um, Sherelle checking his phone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, and he's not checking it for the same reason you and I are. All right, uh, boys. Anything y'all want to get in before we get out of here, Sean? I'll go to you first. No, I mean, I, I think uh, right now there's a lot in flux. Uh, so, you know, you look at Timberlake in a vacuum and, you know, it doesn't get anybody super excited. But right now there's not a lot in the portal that is getting anybody super excited. But right. UNC, you know, hopefully UNC is going to have to identify players quickly. Um, you know, it is disappointing when you're you're seeing some of the young guys leave, especially guys that Hubert recruited. But once again, you're coming back to a team that had four guys that you knew were going to play 35 minutes uh, and you had 11 guys that we think could play. And unfortunately some of those guys didn't really get the chance to develop off the bench, but you know, it's not wiping the slate clean, but here's an opportunity where you don't have to, um, you know, wait two, three years for guys to develop. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next week or two. Uh, But, you you know, watching all these tournament games is definitely frustrating seeing, seeing some of these teams in there and, and seeing teams, you know, Carolina was better that, that, um, you know, not getting the shot, but at the same time, 
you know, hopefully they can create a new identity and, and get some get some players that can uh, really improve both the offensive and defensive play that we saw from, from this past year. All right, Shil, you're up to the line. Uh, really nothing more to add. It's just to Sean's point, these next couple of weeks will be very, uh, they'll be stressful for us, but I think they'll be fun for the fan base as new names emerge and people do deep dives on names. And by mm -hmm. the time they do a deep dive, the name is committed elsewhere or is taking a visit elsewhere. And then there'll be a new name and it'll keep going. Um, and the other thing to remember is to Joey's point about everything being fluid, a player can say that they're staying on March 19th, as we saw last year or April 14th or whatever it was yeah. and change their mind. The portal doesn't close for 60 days until 60 days after it opens. So that's roughly May 13th basically is when it closes. So, um, it, it is a roller coaster, so things can change very quickly, and you kind of have to make sure if you're the UNC staff that you're still talking to your guys, even though they may have said they're coming back. Still talk to them and say, "Are, are you sure you're good? Anything we can help you with?" Um, and then you know continue to monitor because there could be a similar situation where a guy, you know, player X at a at a different school was really good, had told his coaching staff that he was coming back, and he changes his mind, and then suddenly you know, there's a chance that you can get a really good player. So mm -hmm. I think they'll be patient. They're, they're not going to sign four guys next week uh, because they've, they're, they're kind of portal veterans now. I mean, they've, they've been through it now. This is the third off season that they'll have the portal and, and have all those, uh, all those things that can happen with it. Um, so I think they're, they've gotten pretty comfortable with it and, and knowing how fast to move. And, and I think we, we've seen whether it's recruiting or the portal, UNC can, can get somebody when they when they really want um you know i think may meyer mayor always mispronounced you know they wanted him they didn't get him i think there are other reasons in play for that but they can get people they just need to make sure they're identifying and fitting them into the right the right roles and i want to reaffirm that on this show we all agree that player x is overrated <laughs> so just just Want to make sure folks remember why? That why would they recruit Player X? I do not understand. Player Player X has so many <laughs> off the court issues. Um, a lot of handlers. Uh, is typically just the not the type of player that North Carolina gets involved with. Um, all right, y'all. I appreciate you. Uh, I know. Uh, I know you've been kind of grinding a little different schedule this week, Sherelle, and we certainly appreciate it and on behalf of the subscribers. I know they love it too. But boys, we'll talk to you very soon. Maybe sooner than. Uh, than usual but at minimum we'll be back next week for another episode of the coast to coast podcast for sean moran for Cheryl mcmillan shout out to johnny t-shirt for sponsoring shout out to john siegley for producing i'm just joey powell we will catch you next time on the coast to coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. late new cbs sunday you collect rewards right this is how i make my living when something is lost everyone's looking for something he finds it you strong swimmer so 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 so's okay justin hartley stars i survive you make quick smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel sounds cool it is cool actually very cool tracker new sunday on cbs and streaming on paramount plus